Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. This morning, you'll hear some other promises from the Word of God. Maybe you'll be challenged this morning. Maybe something new the Lord wants to do in your life, in your walk with Him. Therefore, don't forget those who call upon him will never be the same. Let's call upon him before we start. Heavenly Father, this morning we come before you to call upon your holy name. Lord, you have proved it over and over again throughout the history of humankind. People who are in desperate need people who are facing death, people who are facing enemies stronger than them, people in poverty, people in sickness, people who became wretched and wicked, they call upon your name and they have never been the same. This morning we call upon your name as we open the word of God and we pray, Father, in the name of Christ, change us, transform us, make us, make us like Jesus, so that we will never be the same, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The first scripture I would like to share with you is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. There is something in that scripture that can become a foundation for the entire presentation. So, 1 Corinthians 1, the, the other one, yeah, the other verse. I think 2.14, exactly. But the natural man receives not. Let's read together. One, two, three. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Sometimes we wonder why these persons cannot understand the gospel, cannot understand the call of God cannot understand the beauty of the teachings of the scripture. Sometimes we wonder why people come into the church and they're not changed, they remain the same. Some changes, but deep down, the character is the same. In some respects, even the behavior. Sometimes we wonder how in the world is possible after so many years of Christian life that one cannot understand the elementary teaching of the gospel? Friends, the verse is clear. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. There must be a power that works in you that comes from outside of you. 
And that power is Christ. That power is Christ. This morning I would like together, and I urge you, fight against falling asleep. <laughs> Surely it, 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 it could be my, my guilt, you know? Because if the preacher cannot keep you awake, there is something he needs to change in his style, in his preaching. At the same time, at 12.20, after so many hours of spending here, if I were in your place, I would be tired too. So there must be a, a little cooperation. This preacher must preach more enthusiastically, with more power from God, and you must force yourself <laughs> into, into listening. <laughs> yeah. What I want to tell you is not something totally new. But I believe has such a potential to change you for good forever, forever, and forever. First, we start with the recognition that no matter how educated one is, how powerful he is, how much knowledge he has or she has, when it comes to spirituality, that doesn't help too much. I mean, the most educated person in, in, in the universe, I'm talking a being, I'm not talking about God, is Lucifer. I mean, this angel knows everything. And he also has power. I don't want to talk too much about his, his character because he's happy to hear us, you know, telling how great he is. But what, what matters to him to be so wise, so intelligent, and so powerful. He is the source of pain and, and tears and, and, and suffering and death and guilt and shame and fear again. So, and you may look at other people who are very in high positions, highly educated. Maybe they are beautiful, maybe they are very strong, maybe they have friends in high places, and they are wicked. It's like, what, what is the difference in the life of one who has education? Friends, no matter how educated one is, how rich one is, how many people one knows, if he or she is naturally, is not spiritual, that person is a sinful human being. And it might be a wicked human being. So, I would like to take you from the beautiful creation of God to see how, to remember practically how God created us in the beginning. And I would like to take you through some stages to the present time to see, to realize that we must experience a radical transformation from God. Otherwise, we will never make it to the kingdom of God. So, the nature of man. In the beginning, second, after the fall, third, today, 
today's reality or tragic reality for how would the sinner feel in heaven and five god is merciful and just in his judgment let's go to the beautiful beginning man was formed in the likeness of god his nature was in harmony with the will of god his mind was capable of comprehending divine things his affections were pure his appetites and passions were under the control of reason he was holy and happy in bearing the image of god in perfect obedience to his will you see how beautifully the man was created he was originally endowed with noble powers and a well-balanced mind he was perfect in his being and in harmony with god his thoughts were pure his aims holy in his sinless state man held joyful communion with him in whom are hidden all the treasure of wisdom knowledge we stay here do you realize how beautifully how perfectly the lord created this world everything was perfect in the human being and when the nature was perfect surely number one pleasure number one delight number one whatever you want to add was communion with god their happiness were in listening to god's voice seeing his beautiful face communing with him and obeying him what happened one single act of disobedience friends we know the story i do not stay too much here in a moment of disobedience the moral setup of humans changed instead of being filled with love trust and respect for god the human beings were now filled with fear guilt and shame instead of wanting god's holy presence they hid themselves from him for adam and eve the relationship with god had been destroyed the close relationship with the with the creator that had one enjoyed would now be different one single act of disobedience when god came to adam and eve they hid themselves from his presence they were so ashamed so guilty so afraid that they fled from god who had created them what a powerful example of just what sin did and still does today we are in this state unless something took place in our being coming from the heart of god in his sinless state man held joyful communion with him in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom knowledge but after his sin he could no longer find joy in holiness and he sought to hide from the presence of god to disobedience his powers were perverted and selfishness took place of love his nature became so weakened through transgression that it was impossible for him in his own strength to resist the power of evil he was made captive by satan and would have remained so forever had not god especially interposed 
what is the conclusion so far? Human being without God is totally depraved, totally wicked, totally powerless to do something good. We need God because today people still run away from the face of God. The most clear image is when Adam and Eve would run away while God the Creator would come to meet them, not to destroy them, not to accuse them, not to punish them, but to tell them that there is a solution for their sin. The same the Lord is doing with us. But there is something human being, people don't even want to hear about God. People don't even want to talk about salvation. People don't even want to imagine the kingdom of God. This is because the nature is corrupted. The mind is polluted. The heart is sinful. And this is why people will not turn to God if they, if, if they are left alone. It is the initiative of the Creator to come and look for the sinner. It is not the initiative of the sinner who is seeking God. If you see a person seeking God, that means that person has the Spirit of God working in his heart, in his mind, in his soul. This is why he or she is seeking God. Otherwise, no. There is no pleasure in communion with the Lord. Prayer meeting, oh, is boring. Beautiful songs from the, the inspired songwriters, oh, that's that's old, it's not for today, not for me. One single act of disobedience. Let's see today's tragic reality. But after his sin, as we saw, a man could no longer find joy in holiness and he sought to hide from the presence of God. Such is still the condition of the unrenewed heart. It is not in harmony with God and finds no joy in communion with him. The sinner could, no, could not be happy in God's presence. He would shrink from the companionship of the holy beings. Is it clear, my friends? I remember practically, I, I remember an example or two that illustrate so clearly this. In... Uh, in uh, Numbers chapter 11, from verse to 6, let's read this, this to see how, how much the human being can depart from the Lord. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lasting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which, which we did eat in Egypt freely. And those vegetables, you know, and the garlic. We still like, like garlic today, which is garlic is healthy, by the way. And, and the other part. But now our soul 
is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Manna. Manna was given by God from heaven. Manna had all the nutrients in it. Manna was tasty. Manna was pure. Manna was healthy. Manna was practically the source of their living over there. But after a while, they didn't like it. This is an example of the natural man and woman. No matter how good manna is, after a while, you may desire to return where you used to live in the past, no matter how bad was life then. You're a slave at that time. You're crying to, love, to God for freedom, for deliverance, for days like this, and now you have those days and you want to return to Egypt. That's the state of the natural man or woman. The second example tells us that God has not changed himself. No matter how, how badly the human being has changed, God has not changed. He has not changed his character, his will, his love, his law. The example is in, uh, in uh, Leviticus 10 verses 1 through 3. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put in incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there, were, there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. What happened over there? The two sons of Aaron, they were taught how to come and offer sacrifices, how to minister in the sanctuary. They were not supposed to bring strange fire, personal fire. But they did it. And the Lord intervened immediately. The Lord's holiness is still a consuming fire for the sins of a human being. Therefore, friends, our hope is in the transformation the Lord is promising us. We must not accept our own reality. We must strive for Christ's reality. One day, Christ comes, and every human being who will have something strange in him or her, will disappear from the coming of Christ. As he is coming and his faithful 
ones are going to meet him in glory, the majority of human beings will hide again from his face. He is the same Christ who died on the cross. He has the same love. He's coming practically to bring salvation. But human beings, they run away. Why? Because Christ's character, Christ's glory is a consuming fire for sin. Let's return to our sad, tragic reality. The next one. Let's imagine, I mean, people would like to have both the kingdom of God and the best, practically is the worst, of this life. A life of freedom, drink, be in relationship with any human being, do whatever you like and still get to heaven. This is what some are thinking. Because the majority, believe me, they don't have the kingdom of God in their mind. They don't even think there is a kingdom of God. But I'm talking about those who believe in God. They hear about the kingdom of God and still they like to be in both worlds. Look what the inspired word says. Could he be permitted to enter heaven? It would have no joy for him. The spirit of unselfish love that reigns there every heart responding to the heart of infinite love would touch no answering chord in his soul. Do you see this? More than that, his thoughts, his interests, his motives would be alien to those that actuate the sinless dwellers there. He would be a discordant note in the melody of heaven. Heaven would be to him a place of torture a place of torture, heaven. Why? He would long to be hidden from him who is its light and the center of his joy. Friends, pay attention to this. Okay, as a human beings, being, I would say, do whatever you like. Enjoy life without restrictions. But look, what you are, are you preparing for if you do that? The atmosphere of holiness, the perfection, the spirit of love, unselfish love, the presence of Christ that is the source of joy for all the angels, all the worlds of God, all the redeemed ones, is for the sinful one, if he would be admitted in heaven, a source of torture. Somebody uh, told this story. I'll make it very short, only for the sake of, 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 of teaching. It's like he would describe how life in heaven is. He said, you know what? It was like in a vision I saw a long table and all, all people were there at the table. And the table was full of the food you cannot even imagine. Perfect, tasty, good, healthy. And they were preparing to eat, but I saw a big spoon 
tied by the right arm and it was so long that practically no matter how much the person would have liked to use the spoon and to eat, could not. It's like the spoon would go like here. Oh, and the person said, oh, this is heaven. I don't like something like that. How in the world is that possible? Why are they like that? Because everybody feeds the neighbor. I feed this neighbor. My neighbor feeds the other neighbor. It's an illustration for children. But it's a principle here. You practically have the other one on your heart. You do something for your neighbor. Friends, the spirit of heaven is not something the sinner is happy with. And the word here, that heaven would be a place of torture, is quite enough. But there is still another level. Let's go to the second, uh, to the next uh, quote. It is not arbitrary decree, decree on the part of God that excludes the wicked. Shall we go back? Go to the end. Okay, until, yes, from heaven. They are shut out by their own unfitness for his companionship. The glory of God would be to them a consuming fire. They would welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them. Listen, friends, they would like to die. Is something that cannot go in my mind. If God would permit a human being to enjoy the sins of this life and give him or her the, the possibility to live in heaven, that person, when he or she will see Christ, they'll say, I want to die. Kill me, Lord. Kill me. I'll go to, to an angel. Kill me or to a demon. Take my life. This is the result of sin. And this is the state of a person with a heart that was not renewed. This morning, I would like to propose to you something. As Christians, we are pretty okay and happy with the truth about a Savior who died for us. We all need a Savior, right? We accept Jesus by faith. But Christian life has another dimension. And that's accepting Christ as Lord as well. He died for my sin. He is my Savior, and I accept Him. But is He the Lord of my body? Is He the Lord of my mind, of my emotions, of my thoughts, of my talents? Is He the Lord of my time, 
Is he the Lord of all my belongings? Is he the Lord of my family? Of my relationships? Here is where the majority fail. They want a savior who died for them, but they don't want a Lord that lives and has control in every aspect of their life. Lord, friends, let's pray that we accept Christ as Lord of our life too. Because then a new lifestyle comes out. Then you begin to live a life that is different from the life of the world. Then you begin to like holiness, to enjoy communion with God. Then you begin to be totally different from the way you used to be in the past. You love the things you used to hate, and you hate the things you used to love. Then the character of Christ is manifested in you when he is the Lord of your life. One of our leaders from the General Conference visited a country in, uh, in Africa. I think it was Kenya. And uh, after he finished his presentations in the morning, they took him to a place where it was a lot of history connected to that place. And a young Muslim man was driving the car. Nice, strong very happy. So the pastor said, uh, what is your religion? He said, I'm a Muslim. And what about yours? Pastor said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. What? Seventh-day Adventist? Man, we have Seventh-day Adventists in our village. They are better Muslims than us. And he would tell the pastor, they keep the Sabbath, they are clean, they have beautiful relationships, they pray, they pray, they pray, they work for the community. They are better Muslims than us. People don't, might even know what is your doctrine. Even though doctrine is important, we cannot have a Christian life without right doctrines. But they see the way you live. People see our lifestyle. And if we are better than them, that means we have a better religion than them. That means they might be open to find out who made, how it's possible to live such a life. And that's when Jesus is not only your Savior, is also your Lord. I'm, I'm so attached to this word. I like to call Jesus my Lord. My Lord. Yes, he's the Lord of the universe. Yes, he's the God Almighty. Yes, he's the Savior of the world. But I like to have Jesus as my Lord. That means I have a personal relationship with him. That means I gave him Everything just as he gave me everything. A pastor visited uh, India. You know how many religions are, I mean, those people have gods and gods and gods and gods and idols and 
you, 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 you'll never know the number. And uh, he said uh, he was invited by one of the div division or union presidents at lunch after the Sabbath hours. And he said, friend, I'm telling you something that might surprise you. People in India, India is open to the gospel, to the right gospel, to the everlasting gospel, in a way that challenges us very much because we need money. Because, you know, you go in a place, you need to build a church, you need to begin a school, maybe you start a school and do some other things. And he said, I got two letters from two governors. They don't know each other, maybe. They didn't consult each other. They sent me two letters. Each one sent me a letter. And the content of the letter is almost the same. What do they say? Say, listen, we have watched you, Seventh-day Adventists, for years. And we have seen something amazing. Wherever your message comes and people accept, accept the message, things change. Amen. The streets are clean where they live. Their yards are clean. The way they dress, the way they behave is so beautiful. The men stop drinking alcohol. And the majority of them stop beating their wives. Apparently, they, they do it like, you know, a hobby, you know? And uh, we have seen this, and, and he mentioned some beautiful other, other, yes. And he said, they said in the letters, we like the same in our place with us. Come, we are open for you, for your gospel, for your message. Friends, is it possible in India? Why not here? Why not with me? Why not with you? And there is only one way we may reach out the unreachable. By a lifestyle that manifests the love of God to them. By goodness. By showing that the principles we have make us happy. Adriana, make us happy. We are happy to be clean. To have a pure heart. To have pure relationships. To have nice homes. To have a, 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 a nice atmosphere in our family. We are happy this way. We don't need that noise, in this, especially in this country, man. If we don't hear something like going on and on and on and on and making that noise, it's like people cannot live. We are happy without that. We are happy without drugs. We are happy without pornography. We are happy without sensuality. We are happy without so many other things that apparently make this society happy. And the happiness we have is connected to the Lord. He is the Lord of our lives. This morning, this is my appeal to you and to me. 
to accept the Spirit of God to work deep down in the mind, in the heart, in the character. And to bring the Lordship of Christ in our life. Hey, if you, if you make Christ Lord, let Him lead. Let Him have access to all areas of your life. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling me, if Christ is not the Lord of my life, no matter how much he suffered, no matter the price he paid, I will never be saved into the kingdom of God. On the contrary, I will try to hide myself and say, hey, death, death, I don't want to see him anymore. Because I didn't learn on this earth to be his disciple, to be his follower, to be his ambassador, to be his friend, to be his servant, to be his companion. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.